just a variety of, of Catholic and, and even just regular Christian magazines. And uh, that's that's what I normally do, but when uh, the world was under lockdown, there was such rancor and division that I really felt called to the littleness and joy of the Gospels, and I uh, started turning to, to the Gospels as my friend Allison was kind of painting her way therapeutically through COVID, and she was painting her children, and um, I said, hey, why do we collaborate on this? What do you think of this? And I started sending her stanzas of, at that point, we began with Mark, because it's the shortest gospel, and she began choosing stanzas to paint. And so it was this beautiful journey together that was completely unexpected. And we got through Mark, and uh, we were like, okay, that's great. So what's next? Oh, my goodness, Matthew. Well, that's almost (laughs) twice as long. (laughs) Yeah. So we just kept going, and um, as the world opened up, our little labor of love continued, and then we really we really felt nudged to look for a publisher. And um, meanwhile, we put the whole project under the protection of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and we sent it out on Saturday, 20th, June 20th. It was the first time we tried to look for a publisher, and about a year later... Um, we were really led to the Marian Fathers, and it was just an answer to prayer because Matthew is so much about the corporal works of mercy, and, of course, the Marian Fathers do so much spiritual and corporal work among God's people. And it's it's been a blessing ever since. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, that, that certainly is. And how, how cool that you did something constructive during COVID because a lot of people uh, just, you know, spent the whole time reading the news or... Uh, you, you know, but you, you, you and both and your uh, Allison as well put your creative juices together and came out together with this, uh, this really cool uh, project as well. Um, so you mentioned Mark and then Matthew and I, maybe I, I missed it. Did you, did you write Mark and then Matthew or, or Matthew? Exactly. Okay. Because we started with bite sized pieces, right? So Mark's the shortest gospel. It was the first written. So we just kind of like, let's get our feet wet. So we did Mark. And then we did Matthew, and then we really felt like, hey, we're kind of, we're kind of getting the hang of this. And so that's when we started looking for publishers. I mean, then we kept writing. So all four are written. And, uh, Luke is my favorite. That's actually the name of our oldest child. And that's the one that I was submitting. And, um, when Marion called, they said, you know, do you have them all done? And we said, yes. And, um, in looking at the project as a whole, they really felt it'd be wise to submit them one by one with the liturgical cycle and the lectionary year. So that's why Matthew um, is the one that's being published right now, because we're about to come up on lectionary cycle A. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that, that's a really interesting. So so how, how what's the format of the, the books? How, and, and, and I guess in a, in a follow-up question, what age group are you kind of targeting? The format, okay, the age group is probably easier. It's pretty much like a 4 to 12-year-old age range. When people see little ones, they think it's going to be for uh, preschoolers or babies, and you certainly can. I absolutely recommend reading out loud to, to little, little children, even even in utero. Um, as far as understanding goes, really from 4 to 12 to get the lyrical nature of the language and then some of the gospel concepts, and it's really meant to be a read-aloud um, 
you know, when we have book events, I tell the adults, like, this isn't something you just pass to a kid and say, you know, go sit in the corner and tell me when you're done. It's uh, written in stanza form. So on the right-hand side, there are three stanzas of quatrains, so four lines each, and in the four lines, it's two couplets. And then on the other side, there's a left-hand side page, and they're actually stunning, beautiful watercolor illustrations, all original, that Allison has done. And in some cases, she uh, was inspired by classic Christian art. Um, in other cases, just the text itself. And so uh, it, it really is a collaborative work. And it's so funny how, how God delights in humbling his people because um, in North Texas, where Allison is, she keeps getting compliments on how well the book is written. And then where I am, people keep telling me how beautiful it is. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. He's, he's keeping you humble. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess you take the combination of those two groups of compliments and they like the, the book overall, right? Or, uh, so, we'll take it. Yeah, so, so you are, um, the, the, the feedback has been positive or what, what else are you hearing other than they like the pictures? <laughs> It's overwhelmingly positive. Uh, everyone really loves how true to the gospel message it is. Uh, and everyone's so impressed that it rhymes. And I said, that that's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. You know, I didn't know that I could rhyme something with Nazareth, for example. <laughs> um, you know, and, but there it is. It's right there. Um, and actually, if I could share a little bit of you, even with that little stanza with the Nazareth part, I, I, love, I love that because the rhymes, they... I still delight in them. They still catch me off guard. Even though I did the physical writing, it's certainly not my inspiration. I would wake up every morning before the family would, and I would just pray, come Holy Spirit, and I'd read a chapter or two of the gospel. And then just like the church fathers, when they would try to understand, say, you know, the nature of the Trinity or or some mystery of God, they would stop writing and say, you know, enlighten me. And I would do that. I I would just stop writing, and I'd say, Jesus, what do you want people to know about you? Mm-hmm. And then I'd proceed. And so the one about Nazareth, um, this is when the Holy Family has is escaping. So d- just a couple stanzas here. Yeah, I, I, I want to know what rhymes with Nazareth. That's what that was going to okay, be my, my next question. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm going to back up one stanza so it makes sense. These are the, the three wise men coming into Bethlehem, and they're looking for direction, and, and so they meet up with Herod. So it says, Herod was the local king, and he was full of fear. A babe was born who'd take his throne, and he was so near. This could be the mighty one, the prophecy fulfilled. Herod didn't know which babe. He'd have all boys killed. An angel came to Joseph once again and said to flee, Go to Egypt, settle there, protect your family. The three escaped. They stayed away until Herod's death. They returned when it was safe and lived in Nazareth. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's that's very clever. Uh, Now, have have you been in the past uh, any kind of uh, poetry writer or this whole you know, knack or talent of being a coach, I would think would be very challenging, especially when you're keeping it in this very structured format of four lines and, and all that. Is this kind of something that you just is new to you, or do you have a, a history of writing this kind of, of Well, of my kids would probably be audibly rolling their eyes at this point. Um, even though my degree is in elementary education and I had intended to be a public school teacher, I actually homeschool my kids through elementary. So we do quite a bit of poetry writing, especially in couplets. Um, that's how we sort of assess what we know, and, and I have them do that as an extension activity. And our, our families become kind of a liberal arts family. My two oldest sons are English teachers. And uh, when I was quarantined with our youngest seven, you know, it was a house full of critics and editors. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> when when we sent the book off, um, this is absolutely true. Marion did not ask us to change a single stanza, a single illustration. They even used the font. They loved it, and they were so surprised. They said, you know, this is very rare. You're a first-time author. You're coming with your own illustrator. And we just shrugged and said, yes, this is a total work of the Lord. We didn't, we didn't intend, you know, we didn't sit down and say, hey, this is how we're going to spend quarantine. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't our intention at all. And it's been a blessing because since it took a year to find a publisher, you know, we prayed that whole time just to really detach, and, and it's so hard when you write something because it's so much a part of you at first, and just to let that go, let it be God's story, we're just trying to tell it, and then, you know, those gospel values start to minister to your own heart. It was like an examination of conscience, and since Matthew is just replete with the importance of the corporal works of mercy, it really became clear to both of us, to Allison and me, that we would not keep the profits of the book. And so we have sought out where we can share those blessings because, um, Chapter 25, you know, remember that's the separation of the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. So my treatment of that in the book is Jesus said when judgment comes, it won't be what they think. Did they feed the hungry, give a thirsty one a drink? Faith is more than just believing. It is service done in love. God lives in every person, not just on his throne above. Mm, very nice. Now, there's 28 chapters in Matthew, right? Yes. And yes. you cover every chapter? Um, yes. And now, how do you... Did, I mean, how does every chapter have about the same number of uh, verses, or how do you how do you kind of spread it out? Or that was definitely a pray and proceed moment as I was going through because Matthew is the longest. Yeah, John, I got to tell you, worked out great. There's 21 chapters mm. and 42 stanzas. Yahoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, it really was. Where do we put that balance? What is the flow? And uh, surprisingly, even with something is is cumbersome, you know, but beautiful as Matthew, something so big, so grandiose. It really does have that gospel flow. It really is treated the 5,000 and the 4,000, the, the, the wrangling with the Pharisees, you know, the healing of the blind and lame. And then when you have something that you can sit and read in one sitting like this, it takes about 15 minutes to read it through you really get that gospel rhythm you know, of, of the people just not getting it, and the Lord putting himself out there and healing and saving, and the Pharisees just with their hardened hearts, and then the Lord laying down his life for us. And then, of course, at the end, remember, at the end of Matthew is the great commissioning. You know, he tells yes. everyone else to, to go out and, and you know, baptize and spread the good news. And so it's, it's such a joy. You know, it seems so daunting at first, but then it's like, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. And when I read it, I'm still moved by it. That's how I know it's not my work. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it also seems that the the style of writing that you're doing lends itself to memorization. Do you do you recommend that for uh, for for kids to maybe not the whole book, but memorize certain no, the parts whole book, of it? I love that. I yeah. love that you're asking that. For fall break, our family took a trip to Minnesota, and my littlest guys, who are really my target audience, um, helped me memorize the entire book, all mm. 42 stanzas, which. Um, it's really been wonderful. So now they'll sit in the pew with me and say, like, a daily mass, they'll, they'll look over and, and nudge, and they'll whisper the quatrain <laughs> that is being alluded to in the homily. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and once you now, you, now you said you finished Mark and Matthew and Luke. Have you done John yet? Yes. You, you've, done, you've done them all. Okay. So, so really, somebody, cause a, a young person could literally memorize the Gospels in that year yes. form. They would know the whole thing. By by heart, and, and and that would be a great challenge. You ought to have like a contest. <laughs> That'd be great. By heart and in their hearts, you know, yes, that it really right. takes root. 
And you know, when Marion was when Marion called um, in in January and said, you know, oh, so sorry, it's taken so long for us to get back to you. Is it still available? And we're so excited. And um, you know, I got so excited, I I went into the stations in the same format. Um, so really, our hope is that we'll continue to unpack all the treasures of the faith this way: the rosary, the works of mercy, sacraments. Just it. Once this rhythm is established, it just sort of opens it up in a in a beautiful way, and the spirit just kind of keeps speaking the truth in this. It's it's just lyrical. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've uh, mentioned that about the comments about the the art, the art and the the writing. Do you have you had anybody come to you and say, "My kid, you know, like what their their child is, how it's blessed their life, or they're growing closer to Jesus because of this"? Or what do you hear from the little ones? Yes, parents have said that, um, you know, because there are different learning styles, and so children who love to learn auditorily will sit and listen who may not have read it on their own. And um, because there's the rhythm of the poetry, kids will come back again and again, and it's really interesting. Different families have different kids with whom this kind of writing resonates. Yeah, and I, I noticed in the, the write-up online it says uh, that your book addresses the lack of an inviting format, you know, for this age group. And uh, do you ever just scratch, scratch your head and say, why, why, why didn't somebody else think of this before me? I mean, why did well, it? Well, it's funny why? that you say that because when that's, that was part of my pitch, right? When, when you write something and you're bringing it to a publisher, you have to show where is the gap in the market? How are you qualified to address it? And then, you know, how will you do that? And um, so I told you that my two oldest sons are English teachers and my, my second one, I said, you know, this is this hasn't been done. Like the, the gospels haven't been done like this. That you've got Bible stories or children's Bibles, but you don't have standalone gospels. Um, and and he said, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like that just doesn't seem right. right. I said, right. You know, it's, it's it's such a glaring omission. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, two thousand years. It took two two thousand years for you to come <laughs> along and 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 do it. Now, um, I know you said that you're following the liturgical calendar. What is the yeah. the release date for all the other ones, or how how many of them are available right now? So, since this is A and this is our first one, it's Matthew right now, and um, the hope is that every year. By Advent, the next one will come out. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and what's wonderful, again, just brilliant Holy Spirit timing. So we only have three, right, A, B, and C, but um, the Protestants, no, granted, there are five churches that, that follow the common lectionary, but by and large in Texas you have more of the, the new evangelical style that, that doesn't follow a lectionary. So to them, you know, they're not looking at the, at the lectionary cycle. They're looking at, oh, they're being published in the order of the Bible, right? Yeah, right. And um, there has been such amazing traction among Protestant evangelicals. I just, just this morning, I was at a at a book event, um, signing books at, at a little tiny Christian bookstore here in my town where I live. They, they say they normally will put in an order for three of an item. They've gone through three bulk orders, and they're starting on another one. Oh, well, that, that's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> that is, that is awesome. Okay, so how can, how can people listening get it? Well, shopmercy.org is the best way if you want the Marian Fathers to use that purchase money to then fund their works. They've, they're a fantastic publisher. They've been around 75 years, nonprofit. Of course, their main work is the promotion of divine mercy. And then, you know, once they're in 
places where people need mercy, then, of course, that's also corporal works of mercy as well throughout the world. So that's one of the things that really drew Allison and me. Also, the, ama- the miracle, we're, we're blown over every day. All of the major secular outlets online are carrying the book. Oh, is that right? Like the Amazons and uh, all Everywhere. that? Everywhere, yes. Yeah, yes. well, that that's good. So it gives you a little bit more visibility. So uh, shopmercy.org is the one yes. that you recommend or some of the other uh, online portals as well. You can get them. Well, I can I can certainly sense and listen and hear the uh, the enthusiasm that you have for the book, and, I th- and now you're moving on to other projects. And so I think it's 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 great that you're blessing so many little people uh, and their parents. They get to to read along with it as well. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. Uh, Sarah Myers is the author. M e m e y e r s. Did I get that spelling right? Uh, we're only Myers when we're together. It's just Meyer singular, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, Meyer. Okay, Sarah Meyer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a great line. Okay, Sarah Meyer. Okay, Sarah Meyer's the author of the Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. And as she said, uh, look for Mark and Luke and John to be coming in the following years and hopefully a lot of other uh, great work as well. And also, uh, th- thanks to Allison. Is it uh, Sue or how, how do you Sue, put- yes. Okay, yes. Sue <laughs> for the great artistry and uh, collaborating. And she's in your area as well. She goes to St. Joseph's. And Richardson. Oh, is that great? Okay, awesome. Well, maybe I maybe I've met her before. I the name doesn't ring a bell, but maybe I have. Okay, well, uh, Sarah, thanks so much again. The website shopmercy.org, and the 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 name of the book is the Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. And uh, we invite everybody to pick one up and make a great Christmas gift. And uh, hopefully you can order it and get it before Christmas or get a whole bunch of them. And uh, Sarah, thanks for your time. And also thanks to Tom and Karen McCall for recommending this. It was a really great interview. I appreciate your time, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. God bless you. All right. Thank you so much. This is the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, if you have suggestions for future interviews, please email me directly, Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Texas leads the way in fighting to save thousands of babies, but we're not done. Join us as we pray, witness, and march for life on Saturday, January 14th at the Cathedral downtown at 2215 Ross Avenue. We'll begin at 945 with Our Lady's Altar of Roses, followed by Mass, celebrated by Bishop Edward J. Burns. The North Texas March for Life begins at 1230 p.m. For more information, call 972-267-LIFE. That's 972-267-5433. Are you a parent in need of funds to help you better afford sending your children to school? Are you interested in learning about a great scholarship opportunity? The Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation is celebrating their 19th year of awarding Spirit of Love scholarships to Catholic students in the Diocese of Dallas. The application submission period will be January 2nd through February 1st, 2023. For more information about the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation, visit RebeccaLeahRivera.org or call 972-480-5200. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this uh, special KATH 910 AM interview of the week on the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's special because it's a special time of the year. We're about a week away and a, a week and a day away from Christmas. And uh, it's just a awesome, awesome time of year as Advent uh, rolls to an end. And so uh, happy Advent to you. Hope your Christmas plans are going well. And we have a somewhat Christmas-related topic on the interview of the week today. And uh, it's a returning guest. And her her name is Patty McGuire Armstrong, and she, along with her co-writer Roxanne Beauclair Salonen, wrote a beautiful book called What Would Monica Do? 
And two mothers and lovers of St. Monica provide uh, resource in this book and inspiration and consolation for Catholic parents and grandparents experiencing the grief of children who have left the Catholic faith. And we did an interview a while back, and uh, I believe the book had not maybe even been out yet, but now it's been out, I think, since August. And we want to talk in particular about how to handle the holidays, especially when the college student or the your adult children come back or, or even younger children and they're questioning the faith they're out of the faith how do you handle it and how can saint monica be an inspiration for that so uh patty armstrong thanks for joining me again and uh, great uh, happy advent to you well thank you thank you for having me back and happy advent to you also and happy uh feast of saint ambrose which is the day we're recording this which is a very very special saint in the life of St. Monica. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. We've got 25 minutes, so we can delve into a little bit of this. Of course, we want to talk about the main topic, but uh, uh, I would like to, to know if Monica knew Ambrose. Of course, he was a huge influence on Augustine, uh, but were, were they friendly? The Ambrose and Monica, they knew each other? Yes, absolutely. St. Monica prayed for her son, St. Augustine, for 17 years. And she's perfect for this time of the year because it was complicated. It was complicated having her son come back from school with a girlfriend he wasn't married to and a child out of wedlock. So a lot of us are going to be looking at maybe some complicated situations at Christmas. And they did know each other. And St. Ambrose was the one who told St. Monica to talk more Talk less to your son about God and more to God about your son. Mm. And that's something maybe for us to keep in mind over the holidays when we feel like we got to fix this, whatever this may be. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's, I've heard that line. I, I didn't realize that came from uh, St. Ambrose. I always thought it was, yeah, I, I wasn't sure who it was. So thank you for that. And also, before we get into the, the main topic, also, I want to just ask everybody to pray uh, for uh, Patty's co-writer, as I mentioned, Roxanne Salonen. Uh, she was going to be on this interview. Uh, and yesterday, as of this recording on the feast day of St. Nicholas, her son, who I believe's name is Nick was involved in an accident and really uh, I, I, and Patty you know a whole lot more about this than I do uh, you know felt the presence of the intercession of St. Nicholas this day do you want to give a little update on on what happened and and how our listeners can pray for her and for him in, in particular yes I mean I, it's partly in prayer of Thanksgiving I'm sure because she is thanking God that her son is still here today the car slipped uh, it was a snowy day it slipped fell 20 feet off a uh, walking bridge and landed upside down. And he has a fracture on his back, on his spine, and has to wear a brace for a while. But um, he should be okay. And he lived to tell about it. Just looking at the pictures, you you uh, catch your breath there thinking, oh, my gosh, did that whoever drove that car, did they survive? Um, so it really feels like the angels and saints in heaven and God looked out for Nicholas on that day. Yeah. And when when um, she sent me, Roxanne sent me those pictures and the explanation, I, I wrote her back and I said, this is one of the reasons I love being Catholic is because a lot of people would say, gosh, what a horrible thing. God has abandoned us. My son got into an accident. He broke his back. But instead, she's seeing all the blessings of it and seeing the intercession of, of uh, St. Nicholas and how it could have been a whole lot worse. So uh, please pray for uh, Nick Selenin and for Roxanne and their whole family uh, as they continue, he continues to, to recuperate.
recuperate and and heal from this uh, horrible accident. And praise be to God that he is alive. All right, so let's talk about what would Monica do. Uh, Last time we spoke, uh, Patty, I I mentioned, and I'm sure you're very aware of this across the board, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, when we get prayer requests, uh, by far, for 25 years since this network has been around, the number one request has been, please pray for my adult children who have left the faith. And uh, I know we probably spoke about this last time, but just kind of remind people, this uh, is something that I think uh, Roxanne and you have experienced, or at least um, have have some experience with, and a lot of people. It's, it's not an uncommon problem, is it? No, it's not. And we hesitated. I really hesitated on writing the book when, Mon- when uh, Roxanne suggested it to me because I thought, you know, I'm just going to wait till everybody's back. I have ten kids. Roxanne has five. I homeschooled for 19 years, and we sent our kids to a Catholic school, and they all left home very strong in their faith. Not all stayed that way. Um, some still are, and a lot of people don't realize St. Monica, who's known as the mother of St. Augustine, one of the greatest evangelizers uh, in the history of Christendom, she had two kids that stayed in the faith. So, <laughs> so in, in, in like fashion, we, we don't want any of our kids to leave, but sometimes when they leave and come back, they can make a big splash and really testify to the beauty and, and power of the truth of the Catholic faith. Yeah, and I mentioned the the last time we did the interview, the the book either had just been released or maybe it was still on pre order. And now that it's been out a little while, the uh, what would Monica do? What was what has been the reaction? I, I see some uh, some testimonies. I want to read a couple of them, the short ones from Rose Sweet and also uh, Dr. Ralph Martin. But uh, what what are people saying who have read the book? It is uh, what they're saying is overwhelming to us because it's like far bigger than we realized. And we knew we were trying to work in union with God and follow where he was leading us right from the very beginning of even writing this book at all. You know, a Catholic writer doesn't want to write a book like this. And we're both Catholic writers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I have written quite a few books, you know, the amazing grace books loved it. You know, God working in people's lives, holy hacks, you know, everyday ways to live your faith and get to heaven. But this one is, um, it's very humbling, and you know what? Being humble is a good position to be in because you need to be there. That should That's our starting point for sainthood. And then by, by sharing this story with so many people, um, we have opened up floodgates of appreciation of stories. We have a Facebook page, Catholic Parents, colon, what would Monica do? And so many people have joined it and said, thank you for being here. It's a, it's a private group, so they don't have to be on display. Some people aren't even telling anybody. They're just so ashamed. They don't want their relatives to know. Um, it's hard when you make your faith the most important thing in your life and you hand it down to your kids. Um, you don't expect them to leave. Like my kids went over and above some of what I, we were doing together as a family. They were truly living the faith. But, you know, the cultural wins are strong, and we don't get to have the last say on everything, but God gets to have the last say, and we just entrust them now to God, and we've learned so much along the way. You know, the book is full of stories, scripture verses, interviews with people, and we're accompanied through the book with the story of St. Monica, so it's not just a straight biography, but we keep checking in with her, so we ask the question, what would Monica do? And the bottom line, the answer to that question is, 
you go deeper in your own faith and you start to realize that we can't control everything. So do what you can. You can control your own faith life. And from that position, we can better help them. Yeah, amen. The book is called What Would Monica Do? The authors are Patty McGuire-Armstrong and Roxanne Beauclair-Salonen. And uh, Patty Armstrong joins me for this interview uh, just uh, eight days before Christmas. And so let's talk about the holidays. Thanksgiving is gone and uh, Christmas is uh, right around the corner, uh, Patty. And this is a time of great joy and great excitement and families getting together. But I think in most family situations, especially if you have adult children, you're not all sitting around the Christmas table and lockstep politically and theologically and ideologically. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, there's always going to be some differences and you get every now, you know, a lot of families have the situation where the son or daughter or maybe their, their spouse comes and visits and they're not Catholic any longer. And it's kind of awkward. So what, what, what kind of advice do you give for, you know, <laughs> Christmas time, keeping the peace, but also maintaining our faith? Well, if they're not Catholic anymore, there's probably been some discussions, maybe some arguments, maybe some anger. Um, we have two chapters in the book on one on anger and one on forgiveness. You know, we need to forgive whatever they've done, whether they ask for it or not, because maybe they just don't even realize kids don't always realize a parent's heart, um, and when, maybe we've done things that we need to be sorry for. Go to confession, say you're sorry, but then move on. You know, um, I do have a lot of conversations with people over the years and people that have come to us with similar situations, and um, one one person asked this question, how do I know how far to push? When should I stop pushing? And I said, you shouldn't push at all. <laughs> if you're pushing, stop. Yeah. Because if they're pushing, they're turning around and going the other way or they're putting up their wall higher. Um, yes, have those conversations. Do what you can. But if you see them resisting and not accepting, just stop right there. And that is why St. Ambrose did give St. Monica that advice to talk you know, less to your son about God and more to God about your son. Because there's a lot we can do. We can go deeper in our own faith. We have devotions and prayers. Pray the Rosary every day. We have a chapter on the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, um, the Surrender Novena, just surrendering our children over to God, fasting, uh, offering up the slightest little thing. I mean, as you're getting ready for Christmas, um, I quote Jeff Cavins, who had a book on sur- uh, surrender and sacrifice and suffering. Basically, it was on suffering, and he said, you know, don't, don't waste those low-level sufferings. Dave, you talked about, isn't it great to be Catholic at the beginning of this program? It sure is, because we understand the value of offering up our suffering. And some people don't even know what that means, but it means joining whatever, you know, little inconvenience, the sadnesses, the big ones, the little ones. I don't care if you took a wrong turn down the street. This is what I came to realize, and I have to remind myself this, offer up every little thing. Because by joining it with the suffering of Christ, now we're turning, turning it into a prayer and, and using it for good, for using it for spiritual good. And a lot of us don't realize that. So as we get ready over Advent, um, go deeper in what it means to get ready for Christmas and not just the, you know, the shopping and the cooking, um, but what it means to prepare for the, for the Christ child. And don't let your stress get in the way of that. 
Yeah, well, that great advice. You know, I'm thinking about how all all people have different personalities, and uh, there may be some who are just so anti-Catholic, but the, the very mention of the faith is going to send them off. Uh, you know, and some may be more amenable to conversations. Uh, to to what? And I'm I'm thinking about. Let's just say a family typically before a Christmas meal is going to do the sign of the cross and pray a Catholic prayer. And maybe in general conversation, they like to talk about Catholic stuff. Do you think that you just got to kind of close down everything because somebody might get offended that's there? Or do you just be yourself and just don't do anything extra aim towards that person? Does does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I choose be. (laughs) Be yourself. And don't do anything extra, but because they know who you are. Yeah. They know you're going to say grace. Um, they shouldn't expect otherwise. And if they do, if they grovel, it's like, hey, you know, you know, you know who I am. I, I haven't changed. You have. Um, let's respect one another. Don't, don't use put downs. Don't use guilt trips. But don't let them do that either. Um, and don't lose your cool. Because if you lose your cool, you know, we, we have a chapter in spiritual warfare and I quote some exorcists. And one of the things we have to guard against is anger because an exorcist, when he's in deliverance or an exorcism, um, anger will get in the way of that and get in the way of power, the power of Jesus to drive out evil. Because if you're holding a hardness of your heart, you're not letting that grace enter. And so that can do a lot of damage. So don't, don't let yourself be baited. And and I know my oldest is 39. My youngest is going to be 21. So um, <laughs> I've been through the school of hard knocks when it comes to child rearing. And so I've learned that, that the most important thing is to love your kids. Let them know you love them. Don't be baited. If they want to talk, sure. But if things start to get heated, oftentimes it's the kids that keep bringing it up and not the parents. Because maybe they have a chip on their shoulder. You know, if they left the faith, you have to realize they think they found higher ground. They think they're smarter than you are and that you are stuck in this superstitious or, you know, whatever they think of your faith. Some Nowadays, they think it's bad that your Christian beliefs are actually not kind, that you're hateful. So you do have to take that opportunity, you know, that you love people all the more, that the church teaches that, it, you know, Pope Francis came out and said, well, you know, the church cannot bless same-sex marriages because it can't bless sin. And yet, he didn't put people down. The message is always one of love. And so we have to continue to do that. Don't let them bait you. If you see them drawing in and they're having you answer questions, but it's not going very well. This is what I said to one of my kids long ago. Um, I said, you know, we've had a lot of these discussions and you're never going to change my mind, and I'm obviously not changing your mind. I'm just going to take this to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And um, I actually, I didn't make a big scene, but I went over to church, and I went before the Blessed Sacrament, and I just put my son into the arms of Christ through all the angels and saints. I go to the Blessed Mother a lot. I like to say, have a Merry Christmas, (laughs) M-A-R-Y. That's nice. (laughs) He understood stress. You know, a lot of us think, yeah, Mary, well, her son was perfect. She didn't have to go through this. No, she had to go through people whispering and plotting against her son. She had to give birth to her son in a manger. She understood stress. And I did an article once. I write for the National Catholic Register. And I did an article 
and um, go to Mary because she's the stress expert. And I looked at all the different times in her life, of course, the Passion of Christ. She lived a lot of stress, but she never got stressed out. So it's not the stress, it's our reaction to it. So I had the article, I thought, completed, and it was my morning to go to adoration. And the incense had, you know, they had burned the incense, and um, the light was coming through the window, and the rays were leading to the Blessed Sacrament in the monstrance, and it was so beautiful. I pulled out my camera. Well, I took, I took a picture. Um, but right, I, right before I took the picture, all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, this inspiration came to me that I believe that was given to me by the Holy Spirit, is that not only was the Blessed Mother a stress expert, but the very first miracle recorded in the Bible was because Mary was responding to somebody's stress. <laughs> they had run out of wine. Yeah. It wasn't life-threatening. It wasn't earth-shattering. But, boy, that's a little stressful. you got a wedding going on, and they're running out of wine. That was the very first miracle. And I thought, oh, my article isn't done. I have to add that. And that's when I looked up, and I saw the rays of sun going to the monsters. I pulled out my camera, and I took a picture, and then I looked at the picture, and there were rays coming down over the Blessed Mother statue. Mm. I've actually done this article and, and published that photo before. And I thought, oh. Oh my gosh, you know, and then I took another picture and it wasn't there anymore. So I had not moved. I'd done nothing to the camera. I took one picture, looked at it, took another. And so to me, that was a sign from above. Believe what you want. But I know that inspiration kind of came from outside of me. But not, not to get um, off, off track here, but go to the Blessed Mother. There's going to be stress at Christmas. I don't care if you have, you know, all your kids haven't left the faith or they've all left the faith. Um, Christmas is a stressful time, but you don't have to get stressed out. And go to the Blessed Mother. She's going to help you with that. Amen. What would Monica do is the name of the book. Patty Armstrong and Roxanne Salonen are the, are the uh, authors of this. And we'll tell you in a second how you can get it. And the, the book provides wisdom for uh, parents and grandparents when a child leaves the faith. And uh, Patty, just a, a about five minutes remained in the interview, and I wanted to ask you about the, you know, the the young couple who have a, a few kids, and they're listening, and their oldest kid is ten, and they're thinking, well, gosh, my my kids haven't left the faith yet; they're they're too young. But I want to prevent this from ever happening. Uh, is is this book good for a preventative cure, so somebody can read it whose kids aren't old enough to leave the faith yet, but they want to make sure they they don't? Uh, would this be a, a good book for them to read as well? 100%. And we've had um, Sean McAfee. Ma- Let's see. McAfee? Is he um, the football did, coach? Um, oh, that's... No, oh. He d- he's the editor of oh, okay. um, <laughs> Epic Pew. Okay. He writes for the National Catholic Register. He did a Q&A with me, and he told me he loved the book. I had uh, Dorothy Polarski, who does Noontime Moms. She read it and said she couldn't put it down, and she has two kids that have not left the faith. This is... If they ask that question, they're very wise. I didn't ask that question because I wasn't worried about that. I thought I'd plugged all the holes. I saw the results I was getting. You're going to get great results because it's the truth and your kids are open to it. Um, But things can change, and so that's why I stay humble. But absolutely, this is even if you don't have kids. I mean, we're talking about everything from spiritual warfare to worry is not a prayer, stress. Yes, we're talking about um, it's often coming in to play that our kids have left the faith, but this is really for everybody. And what we have read sometimes with people whose kids haven't even left the faith and they're giving advice to parents, 
I think, oh my goodness, don't do that. Um, I, I used to do that and, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, I hope it's, I hope that nobody ever leaves because God doesn't want your kids to leave. Only the devil does. So you don't ever want to say, oh, wait, you know, wait until they see what happens. You know, no, don't even say such a thing. Just pray for them that their kids never do leave the faith. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think it would probably be good advice also if you're, you know, your parents and your kids are all doing great and you've got two priests, a sister and three married, you know, all everybody's in the faith. Don't take the credit for it. And also, on the other yeah. hand, if you have some disappointments, don't take all the blame as well. Would that, would that be good advice? Don't take the credit or the blame for how your kids turn out. Yeah, of course, we cooperate with God, yeah. but mostly it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah, do your best. Don't take the credit and that will keep you humble and then it will prepare you not to take the blame <laughs> because you understood early on. And, you know, there are um, there are some well-known Catholics uh, in media in the book, but we didn't use names. And somebody who you would never believe, he's just on fire, uh, has a show with EWTN. Two of his kids left the faith for a while and they came back. I was interviewing him on a book he wrote. And I asked him, you know, are all your kids in the faith? He goes, well, they are now. And I said, did you ever think anyone would leave? And he said, no. I thought if I raised them right, that they would never leave the faith. And so, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You pray for the best. You do your best. Um, and then don't judge other people either. Yeah. And it, it, we have priests in our diocese. And I would have judged them for sure because their parents didn't even take them to Mass. And I was like, what's wrong with you? But they're priests now. Um, <laughs> And I should say that since the book has come out, I have two kids planning weddings in the church next year. So um, we've had some good good news. Um, but but I will never. The, the other thing is, once uh, the people I've talked to, these kids have left the faith, even when they come back, they are forever humbled, and they don't just assume anything. They're just like, you know, we just take a day at a time and keep praying for our kids, because in the end, that matters more than what school they go to, what jobs they have, what their income is. And then you start to realize that when you're growing up, every little accolade your kids get, you're so proud of them, you know, and in the end you realize just in the end that's not going to matter. I mean, yeah, you want them to do well. I'm not saying to sit around and none of it matters. It all matters. But do it all for God and give praise to him when you do succeed. Amen. Patty, how can people get the book? Uh, hopefully it's in Catholic bookstores, and we always suggest going there first, especially your local Catholic bookstore. Uh, how else, online or otherwise, can people get the book? Yes, always shop local if you can. And if they don't have the book, they can order it for you. So ask them if they're willing to do that, because you want to keep the money where you've got your booksellers and they raise their kids in your communities. And you can also go to Ascension Press. So go to um, Ascension Press has What Would Monica Do? And you could order it from them. All right, Patty, thanks so much. I always enjoy talking to you. And I think it's, uh, it's great advice and it's comforting to a lot of listeners right now to know that, you know, it's, it's not your fault and just keep praying. And it's more of, uh, you know, like uh, Ambrose said, uh, talk more to God about your child than your child about God. Great, great advice from a great saint. Uh, Patty Armstrong is my guest. Also, uh, Roxanne Salonen, the co-author of What Would uh, Monica Do? And uh, please pick one up. Probably not too late to get a couple for Christmas gifts. If you want to order them today, I'm sure you can get those in time or go to your local bookstore and and pick them up as well. I'm sure they're open. Uh, Patty, thanks a lot. Hope you and your family have a very uh, happy rest of the Advent and Merry Christmas. And uh, thank you for your time today. 
Thank you, Dave. God bless your advent and Merry Christmas to you too. Thanks so much. Thanks to Manny for running the board. Thank you for listening and supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network and great authors like Patty and Roxanne and all the good Catholic stuff. If you have suggestions for future interviews of the week, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider and a sponsor of this station. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or 5 for 100 So what are you waiting for? It's the glorious season of Advent, and Little Angels Catholic Store and Capel wants to help you make it a prayerful and spiritual time. You can find books and resources to fill your Advent with a sense of holy anticipation, and they have Christmas gifts for your loved ones, including rosaries and religious jewelry, music, artwork, nativity sets, stocking stuffers, and more. Little Angels is a longtime sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They're located at 600 East Sandy Lake Road in Capel, just west of St. Anne Parish. Are you a parent in need of funds to help you better afford sending your children to school? Are you interested in learning about a great scholarship opportunity? The Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation is celebrating their 19th year of awarding Spirit of Love scholarships to Catholic students in the Diocese of Dallas. The application submission period will be January 2nd through February 1st, 2023. For more information about the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation, visit RebeccaLeahRivera.org or call 972-480-5273. This is Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, bringing you a great song from Tori Harris from her album Sweet Delore, Hearts Once Stone. I am dust, and dust I will be, and you will breathe life into me, and oh. Ah uh...
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.